we've been talking about a series called What's Your Story? And Jesus' personal interactions with people. I'm going to give it one more chance. Good. All right, so we're going to... Something's on around me. Okay, let's see if that was it. All right, third, third time's the charm. Uh, what's your story? Uh, we all have a story. We've all, we're all made up of certain things. We all have parts of our core that define who we are. We've been influenced by those around us in, in many different ways. And the amazing thing with Jesus is that he, when he lived, he interrupted people's stories and changed them for God. In every situation, he stepped into somebody's life for a reason, and their lives changed again and again. And that's really the goal of all of our lives, is to connect ourselves with something greater, to connect with God, to not just live for myself, to not just live for this life, but I believe that you're here because you believe there's something beyond this life. And that's why we're here. The title today is called Got Faith. And we're going to talk about a man that amazed Jesus with the the power of his faith. And I don't know about you, when you're young, you have faith in everything, right? You believe anything. You believe your your dad's Superman and your mom's Wonder Woman. I mean, it's just one miracle after the next. But when you get a little older, your faith can dwindle and be challenged and, and life happens. So let me ask you a few questions about your faith. How's your faith in government? How's your faith that the government is going to change your life for the better? That that's a really awesome thing. We need to pray for the government, but I'm not sure that we have putting our faith in the government. How about your fellow man? Just people around you as you walk around. What is, how is your faith that, man, they really care about you, that there's a real love wherever you go. It's just really this amazing thing. It's kind of like, you know, kumbaya when you go out in the, into the world. <laughs> and we get a little bit more closer to home. How about in your relationships? You know, if, you're, if, you're, if you have a family, how's your faith in, in your family? That they're going to come through for you when, when you need them. In your friends around you, if you're looking for someone, maybe you want to get married in the future, how's your faith? Do you believe that God's going to make that happen? How about personal change? That you believe that whatever you're struggling with right now, that you can radically change that where people won't even recognize you because of how much you're different. Faith is your most valuable possession. Without it, in God's eyes, you are nothing. But with it, you are everything. And we're going to see that today. Jesus was amazed by just a couple people, and he was amazed at their faith. But he was also amazed at people's lack of faith. That he would do a miracle and then he would turn around and go, you, how come you didn't believe I could do that? I mean, I did 99 miracles and the 100th one is just, that's the one that I'm not going to be able to do. But just over and over, he showed himself to people and they continually lost their faith. And that can be us. 
We may be seeing God move in powerful ways, but today, how is your faith? Would it catch Jesus' attention in a positive way or not? You know, when Jesus talked about faith, he said that nothing is impossible. That if you have just a little bit, you can move a mountain. That you can be that, you can have that kind of power in your life with just a little bit of faith. Today we're going to have a window into what it truly means to live by faith. And I believe it's a short window. But I believe that God wants to show, give you a glimpse of what faith is all about. And then we party. Then we have a festival. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's pray as we get started. Father, we thank you so much for this time to be together. We thank you that you show yourself to us, God, that you don't just leave us here by ourselves, that, you re- that you're reaching out to us even now. God, I pray that in the next few minutes that you use your word and and your people to open up our minds. Help us to see you. Help us to connect. Help us to get rid of the cynicism in our hearts and the lack of faith that so creeps into us. God, help us to have a faith that truly amazes you. Or just to be curious about what that is. Lead us and guide us in these next few minutes. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last time we had a big service, we talked about a really big event. And as we were having this big service, I was talking, I was thinking about another big event. Last time we were talking about game seven of last year and the incredible heartbreak that Dodgers fans went through after, how many Dodgers fans do we have out here? Okay, so I don't have to tell you about it, but just a small reminder that you were so close and you lost two extra inning games last year into just falling that close. And my question last time was, are you ready to do it again? <laughs> you put, they put themselves out there. I mean, they were all in, and they just hit the wall. But they did it. Yeah. A year later, they're back where they were last year. <laughs> It's an interesting thing now, though, in telling the story, it's, I'm very conflicted about it. <laughs> because if you don't know me, I lived in New England for 20 years. And my team's the, the, the Red Sox. But we're not going to talk too much about that today. You've got to know your audience, right? Yes. <laughs> but here you are again. You're going up a team against a team that had 108 wins this year. And they are absolutely on fire. They took care of the second best team like it was nothing. So how's your fate now? You getting mad? (laughs) I can't even watch the games with my really good friends. I can't watch him with Abe. I can't watch him with Jeff, Jacob, Gonzalo, many of you. We're going to be just like, hold up, me and Bernard, we're going to be watching the game together. (laughs) And I have this feeling 
that Boston is in the way of the Dodger train. I mean, after this whole entire year, after even preaching two sermons on them, I just feel like we're doomed. But how's your faith? We're going to look at a guy who had an amazing faith that defied all logic. And turn over, if you will, in Matthew chapter 8. The backdrop here is that Jesus just finished the Sermon on the Mount, basically turning upside down every major topic that they had ever learned and said, well, you thought it was this way, but it's really that way. And you thought it was that way, but it's really this way. And turning their world upside down. He went into his hometown to preach his first sermon and they tried to kill him. And now he's beginning his ministry in Israel while they're occupied by, the, by Rome and where Caesar is Lord in this country. And they're basically slaves of Rome. And so they've been oppressed for 60 years. And here comes Jesus onto the scene in Matthew chapter 8. In verse 5, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go and he goes. And that one, come and he comes. I say to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say that many will come from the east and west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very moment. So here's a guy, he comes up to Jesus and he is he's a Roman centurion. He's in charge of a hundred soldiers And he is the enemy of Israel. He's wearing the uniform of Satan, so to speak, to their to their people. And yet Jesus says that he found more faith in this guy than in every one of God's so-called people. That was the exact thing that almost got him killed in his hometown. It wasn't that he was telling Being mean to people, it was because he said that the Gentiles were going to be coming into the kingdom too. And the people were racist. And the people were filled with hatred. He says, you know what, it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what kind of clothes you wear. It doesn't matter what your uniform is. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. The only thing that matters is where's your faith. 
And all the people that were supposedly going to accept Jesus tried to kill him. They thought they were part of God's people, but they weren't. Because when God's son came, they didn't have room for what he had to say. Amazing. My point number one is get help from Jesus. Get help from Jesus. This guy was at the end of his rope. He was hopeless. He was desperate. He probably tried everything else. All the doctors, all the medicines they had was at his disposal. And he heard about this guy, Jesus. That he had healed just a couple people because he hadn't even really gotten started yet. And he, came, he believed that he could heal his servant. This situation was outside of his control, and it was life or death. You know, where do we turn when we're in trouble? Who do we go to for help? If you're anything like me, we try to help ourselves. We try to figure it out. We try to come up with the right solution and go on the Internet and figure out all the different things that we need to figure out. I got this, but that not him. He was in control of everything in his life, but not this. And yet he had compassion for a servant. In Roman law, servants were property. A sick servant was killed, not helped. That's how it was. But he was different. He had a heart. And he was considerate of Jesus. He didn't even want him to come under his roof. Because he didn't want to scar Jesus' reputation because it was considered despicable for Jews to go under the roof of a Roman. So even in his desperation, he was still thinking about Jesus in a higher way than he was thinking about himself. How are you at getting help? Most of us, like I said, we're not very good. We can end up looking like this guy. We don't ask for help until it's absolutely life or death. And we end up stranded on some little surfboard out in the middle of who knows where. I thought that was cute. <laughs> but in the middle of doubt and sin all around Jesus, he found faith in a place most people wouldn't expect. And someone who was powerful and yet realized his limitations. He realized that Jesus is bigger than me. And in that vein, we're going to have a couple of our friends come up here. They're going to share with you a little bit of their story and how they cried out to God for help. There's some good friends of ours. They were married about a year ago. You guys can come up. They married about a year ago. Mike and Kiana Hill, and they, they were on two different journeys of faith. So they're going to share with you 
what their journey was and how they reached out to God for help. And interestingly enough, God answered both of their prayers in different ways, but with the same result. All right, so I give you, Kiana's going to share first, and then Mike. Hello. As Scott said, my name is Kiana Hill, um, and this is my husband, Mike. Um, (laughs) So... For me, how I found faith um, actually started on a day that I um, wanted to relapse and abuse prescription medication again, and I planned a suicide that day. And I was in my sophomore year of college. I left my dorm room, went outside, um, wanted space to myself, and actually decided to pray. And that was the first time that I really remember myself praying genuinely outside of praying before I ate or praying before bed. Um, And the prayer that I had said was, you know, Lord, if you are who you say you are and you have any concern for my life, you know, I pray that you'll have someone today come to me and invite me out to a Bible study or else, you know, I'm I'm basically done. Um, And, um, you know, I I said, you know, if that's it, then my life is yours. That's it for me. And I prayed and lifted my head, opened my computer to start kind of actually, it was during during voting times I was looking into, like, candidates and stuff. And two um, people from our church walked up to me and invited me out to Bible talk. Um, And for me, that was pretty pivotal as I, I kind of had to, like, am I really good? Like, you know, like, did this really happen? Like, you know, and kind of even for me a lot, God was talked about a lot. You know, God was talked about within my family, whom I was subject to abuse from, from multiple people in my family, multiple different forms of abuse. I, you know, was talked to about God by people that I knew weren't at all following the word of God, you know, as they would, you know, kind of portray themselves to me as one, but then not um, kind of treat me you know, as a human. And so um, I kind of had very, um, I felt like very anger, like angry views towards God. I viewed God as a very angry God, as someone that um, kind of held my wrongs against me, kind of allowed me to just be subject to a lot of things and and had the power to change but wasn't there. So um, as I actually, like, went through just really fostering myself, my identity, who I was. He really set forth just different things to happen. Like, even me applying to, I applied to 12 colleges. I got accepted to two. And one of them was this Christian school, and that was the one I went to. Um, The other was in uh, the U.K., and there was no way I was leaving because I'd never left California. So, um, for me, it was just very much so, like, wow, you know, he put me with people, like, to live on campus with people that, Every day would wake me up at 6 in the morning. They're like, do you want to get in the Word with me? And I was like, if you wake me up one more time, you know, I will come after you. But um, just kind of even with that, it really, the questions they would ask me, the way that they would love me and give to me and um, really just listened helped me to kind of get my heart into that place, even though for me um, what catapulted me into wanting to use again and to wanting to commit suicide after multiple attempts in my, in my childhood was that the person who I felt protected me and really loved me and my family, my great-grandmother, um, was on her deathbed. And, um, of course, that brings up a lot with family, a lot with um, just feeling alone, just feeling like, okay, the one person, you know, that I felt like, 
you know, was a safe haven within that, chaos is gone. Um, but now, like, I feel like even though, you know, I've recently been diagnosed with PTSD, I'm newly married, and that brings up a lot of stuff with family, um, it has really fostered faith for me and hope in the fact that I can, I have something to look forward to. I have a family to look forward to that we can create. I have, you know, friends that love me. I have a family of, like, believers, you know, people that are following the word, you know, that love me and are present. I had a sister, like a person, like a sister from our church come all the way down from Riverside to visit me because I was like, I'm having a really hard time, um, and hung out the whole day there with me, even though I was working the majority of the time. And so um, I just, in that, I'm finding healing and just, you know, even though I'm processing through a lot, even though I kind of dragged Mike into it a little bit, um, he's there, and I have people that are there that are willing to be able to be in it with me, but even more so, I feel more confident, and I don't have fear of people. I don't have fear of, you know, just even myself knowing for the fact that God's there and that he sent his son, and I, I have those things to look forward to. And even on my lowest point, I have the spirit. Um, and so, yeah, that's my story. But <laughs> All right, that's my amazing wife. Um, I wanted to start off with a scripture. Um, this has a lot to do with, I believe, where I'm going, and I know all of us would like to go. Um, it's 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. This one holds me through a lot of just rough times involving faith. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Before I started coming out to church, I was stuck in a quagmire of envy, uh, greed, lust, the things that really are what the world tells you to pursue in a lot of ways. Uh, They're masked with success. They're masked with wealth. They're masked with happy families. Um, But ultimately... I was seeking after my own self, um, and it was not a good spot, um, but I was delusional in a lot of ways. Um, stuck running a company that I wasn't super excited about, but was there all the time. Um, I was invited to come out of church by your very own Scott Sweeney, um, and a little fun story there is... Uh, He wore skinny jeans to get me to come out for a month. (laughs) And uh, and just being real, I truly didn't believe there was a God. Um, I believed that there was good principles to live life by. I believed in good family. I believed in doing good to others. I believed in having a kind and grateful heart when it served me. Um, I was a yogi at the time. Um, so it was really interesting to go through uh, just a, a lot of, I guess you'd call it, pent-up doubt against Christianity. Um, as I was encouraged to study the Bible, as I was in, honestly started to get to know a lot of the, the people at the church, I was just doubtful. There's no way this is real. This is, it's got to be fake. Um, and a guy came up to me uh, after one sermon and challenged me. He's like, why are you still here? And I was like, well, 
it's a great place to hang out. And he's like, this isn't what it's about. Um, it's about Christ. You follow in him. And I kind of laughed it off a little bit. And this guy's name is John Tucci. And you've got to know him. He's about this tall. And he knows Kung Fu. Um, so he really does. He's like really, really, really good at it. Um, and uh, he kind of looks me in the eye you know, up a little bit. And, uh, and uh, he goes, uh, he goes, oh, I'm serious. Is that your answer? I'm like, no, yeah. He's like, well, you got to do something about it. I was like, what am I supposed to do? And he's like, well, you got to pray. And I'm like, now this is the cool part, is I had enough faith to know that if I prayed, it might come true. So anyways, I pray. And two nights later, I wake up paralyzed. And my prayer was, is God, if you're real, show me. So, I wake up paralyzed, and I say, God, how about this? And it gets way worse. Pain, anguish, and I'm like, okay, I guess you can't negotiate with God. Makes sense. And we go back and forth, but ultimately I had to surrender. Um, and truly, this scripture holds true now as it does then, as it brought me towards faith, hope, and love, truly, and this not this envious, doubtful person that I was about who Christians are, who I could be. It was, no, if I have faith that God's real, that he died on the cross for me, I will have hope, and therefore I will have love. And it's true. And as I get to be newly married, it's a beautiful thing to see love kind of grow and watch Satan as well futilely claw at that, honestly, try to get you to be resentful or angry or whatever it might be against your spouse so i just thank you today let me share my story it is a beautiful thing that we can all come together to sing songs to our lord so thank you all for having us all right well thank you so much guys for sharing that's an amazing story and it's great to see Mike uh, not paralyzed anymore. And uh, you never know what God's going to do when you ask him. Have you ever honestly asked God to show you? Really? If you're out there, God, do something that I can't explain away, that I can't say is what... It, I can't blame on somebody else. It's not just a coincidence. Like, hit me in the face with it, God. And if you're willing to pray that, he'll answer. Like we just heard, too. We could go around. But you can't have faith unless you ask God for help. It is impossible to have faith in yourself or you can have faith in yourself, but it's not going to get you very far. And once this life is over, then your faith is ended. Then you're, you're done. But they, he, they came to a faith in God based on their search of him. My point number two is a faith that amazes Jesus. To be someone that when Jesus walks by, he sees your faith and takes notice. 
He answers your prayers. He builds your faith. Jesus always met people where they were at. Maybe you're like Mike. Maybe you're a, you're a cynic. Like, ah, I don't know about this whole faith thing. I mean, the Bible, it was written such a long time ago. I mean, can you, can you really trust the Bible? We're here to say yes. But that doesn't help your faith. Because if you don't look into it, then your faith is based on whatever. It's not yours. It's what somebody told you. You know, or you know, I know there's all these other religions out there. And I mean, how do you how are you supposed to know that? I mean, Jesus is just like all these other guys. No, that's not what he said. He didn't say that I am just one of the other ways up the mountain to God. And if you follow any of these ways, you're going to get there. That is not what he said. That's what every, a lot of people say. But that wasn't Jesus. You know, Jesus was not, this surprised me. He wasn't the guy that went around and just blessed people. He didn't just like, oh, bless you, 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 all the way through. You know, Jesus was intense. When you got around Jesus, you felt uncomfortable at times. He went where you didn't want him to go. And you're like, yeah, you're going there. Half of his parables were told about people in the room. (laughs) He told this big parable about greed and he's talking to you. That was uncomfortable. Jesus said that all the subjects of the kingdom are going to be thrown out into gnashing and weeping of teeth. And everybody there was Jewish except for this guy. And people had to decide, do I really want to follow Jesus? Or do I want to follow like an easier way of Jesus? I mean, Jesus, isn't there another way? That's a little more comfortable. There's a lot of ways that are more comfortable, but it's not the way that Jesus wants to take them. As he was saying that, Jesus was amazed by his great faith. And he's still looking for people with great faith. There's a scripture in Second Chronicles that says that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth looking for those who are fully committed to him. Yeah. That even now he's looking through all of our hearts to see who is really serious, who wants to find faith. And it, it, you may not be all in right now. You may not going to have your paralyzed moment tonight when you go to bed. But you can take a step in that direction to looking into it, to asking questions, to finding out. Or we can go to the Harvest Festival and just kind of forget this all happened. Some people will do that. But the amazing thing is, is that this is your opportunity To find God. This is your opportunity to grow in your faith. 
If I, you know, think about it. Do you want to grow in your faith? Do you really want to grow in your faith? I, I was hoping you were going to say that. Because I want to get, this is Jesus when you have great faith, right? He's fired up. He's wanting to give you the thumbs up. The centurion had an amazing faith that blew Jesus away based on just a couple things that he said. He acknowledged that Jesus was the authority over everything. Even life or death. You know, when it was life or death, he went to Jesus and he called him Lord twice. He could be killed for that because he worked for Caesar. Caesar was the Lord. But two times he called Jesus the Lord. He said, you know, this is just my job, but you're the real king. I know who the real creator is. And I bet Jesus looked right back at him and says, you know what? In three years, you're really going to see who I am when I raise for the dead. And I'll be doing it for you. You're the reason I came. Because he saw that kind of faith and he had the exact same faith back to, to the man. Imagine what the guy felt like when Jesus said, I haven't seen anyone with a greater faith than Gabe in all the United States. Me? I'm the guy that you're not even going to come into my house. I'm not even able to go into the temple. And me? Wow. That wasn't just a great day. That changed his life. That wasn't just, man, what a great service. He never went back. What an amazing thing, because he had the faith to ask for help. And not only did he acknowledge Jesus' authority, but he allowed Jesus to have authority in his life. And that's a different thing, isn't it? To acknowledge there's a creator and acknowledge that that's Jesus is one thing. But to give him control of our lives, that's a whole nother thing. And maybe you've said some of these things like, I don't want to have anybody telling me what to do. I'm going to do it when I'm good and ready. You know, those are the kinds of things that he was giving up, saying, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do whenever you want me to do it. You say the word, and I'll do what you want. Not I, I don't call the shots anymore, you do. That's the faith that amazed Jesus. This guy's world, if you think about it, was kind of the authority world. You know, we don't like to talk about that too much because we all want to be friends with Jesus. But we, and he wants to be friends with us. But in a way, there's an ordering of our relationship. He's like, I tell people to do stuff and they do it. You tell people to do stuff and they do it. You tell me to do stuff and I do it. That was the faith that he had. And just by his two statements, say the word and it will be done. You don't even have to go heal my servant. Just say the word and it's done. It's automatic. He didn't even 
know Jesus. I don't even, it's amazing. And he said, I, I tell people to do this and do that, and they do it. And you do the same thing. So if you really want to have a faith like that amazes Jesus, you have to have these two things. If you don't have these two things, you will not amaze Jesus in a good way. Because this got Jesus' attention. Imagine. Jesus, he's almost just gotten killed. He just preached this sermon and thoroughly confused everybody. <laughs> Everything they thought was this was, was, was backwards. And he meets this foreigner. And he's like, finally, somebody knows me. Somebody gets me. And imagine what it was like to be Jesus and be the creator of the universe and have people turn away from you and then have one person come up and say, you know what, I know who you are. You can do anything at any time on any level. That's what got Jesus' attention. When we have that, when we know Jesus like that, it changes us. That's different than just going to church. That's different than I grew up in a Christian household or whatever. When you have that kind of faith, Jesus takes notice. And it changes your life. Because all of a sudden, now whatever Jesus says is what I'm doing too. That's where it gets kind of scary, right? Okay, you're still with me, right? You still want to have great faith. I mean, you said you wanted to have great faith. That was where you really got to think, do I really want to have great faith? Because most of you have been to church before. You've, maybe you even had times when you were on top of the mountaintop and, man, you were just touching Jesus pretty much. You know what you need to change right now. I don't even need to talk about it. But if you really have faith in Jesus, that's what you need to do. Do what you know you need to do. That's faith in Jesus. You want to get his attention, you do it now. Don't wait about it. Don't think about, well, let me get back to you on that, Jesus. No, that's not how it works. It might, you might take time. It has to build up. But if you really want to impress Jesus, why wait? Right. Jesus didn't wait to heal his servant. He did it right away. So why should we wait? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Let me give you a challenge. Jesus amazed. The one-month faith challenge. Then we're going to close out. So if you really want to have faith, if you do these three things, I guarantee you, you will not be the same person at the end of one month that you are right now. I guarantee it. If you sincerely want to live your life for God, in one month it can happen. That's what I told Mike. 
Part of me was like, hey, if I'm putting skinny jeans on, you're not just coming one week, you're coming four. <laughs> but he did it. If you read the Bible every day for a month, that's no breaks. No, not if I'm tired, not if I feel like it, not if I'm having a good day, not if I'm having a bad day, not if someone else doesn't want me to, not if I'm busy, sick, whatever. If you say, you know what, I'm going to read the Bible every day for a month, for 10 minutes, that's it. 10 minutes. You can read the book of John, which is just people coming to faith one after the next. That's all it is. They're overcoming obstacles and coming to faith. You can download a Bible app. You can have it on your phone. You can have it play in the car. And also pray with faith and for faith. Pray that God will show himself to you. Don't worry. You're not going to get paralyzed. Like Mike, that was a special story for him. Okay? And God will show himself to you, and when he does, it'll be fun. It'll change your life. When you're changing and you're growing in your faith, it is awesome and it is fun. Because all the things that make us unfaithful are not fun. Number two, have time weekly, weekly time with faithful friends. That the people you surround yourself make a difference of how your life is. How they're going to encourage you, what they're going to tell you. When they share their lives, when you read the Bible together, we're better. We need each other. And whether you're an extrovert and you just love being around people, maybe that's easy. Even if you're an introvert, I'm an introvert. It's okay. I like to be by myself, but I know that I need people. And if you make that commitment... You'll be different. And number three, come to church every week for a month. Okay, take the mic challenge. Today we're having a party. We're having all our best songs, our best everything. We're having, you know, food, chili, whatever out there, pictures, kid bounce houses. I mean, today's a party. Next week will be an amazing Sunday with no party, but God will still be here. So come back for the next three weeks, and I guarantee you, your faith will grow. If your faith doesn't grow in a month, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Okay, so you keep your list of all the times that you read your Bible and all the different appointments with the different Christian people and we'll look for you at church every week and I'll do whatever you want me. I'll wear skinny jeans or anything (laughs) along those lines or whatever you come up with. And I'm having fun with it. I just know it'll work, guys. That's all. I'm not going to have to pay up because it works. God is wanting you to have more faith. He's wanting you to get closer to him. That's why he's even got you here. So right now we're going to take our communion together.
Greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. When Jesus said this, he was thinking about his closest friends. He was also thinking about that centurion that amazed him. He was also thinking about me, that he wanted me to be one of his friends. He was thinking about Kiana. He was thinking about Mike. And he was thinking about you. That this is the time when he recognized, when we recognize that Jesus laid down his life for you and for me. And he, he said to do this, to remember him, the, the bread that represents his body that was sh- killed for you. And the, the cup that represents his blood that was poured out for you. And I pray that as you do that, that you do have a time where you consider Jesus. And that you pray to him. And you ask him to give you a faith like the centurions. Let's pray and we'll take our communion together. Uh, Father, we do thank you so much for this time. Thank you for all the ways that you are moving in our hearts. I pray that even now as we consider Jesus, that we can consider who, who it is that we're remembering. We can consider how he's the creator, how he's a loving father, how he's a, been waiting for this time for us for, for so long. God, thank you that we can, we can come to you, that we can grow in our faith. I pray that we can be men and women that not just grow ourselves, but have that faith influence others, like the centurions and like Jesus is ultimately. Thank you for his body and his blood. I pray we recognize that in a way that honors you. It's in his name we pray. Amen.